Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, we have a very special guest, a returning guest. We talked back in August 2021 about his very fascinating book, Which is Feminism and the Fall of the West? His name is Professor Edward Dutton, D-U-T-T-O-N. But today we're going to talk about a different book. The title of that book is At Our Wits End, Why We're Becoming Less Intelligent and What It Means for the Future. It was published in 2018. It was written with Michael A. Woodley as well. His website is www.edwardduttonalloneword.com. He also operates uh, The Jolly Heretic, which I've seen on BitChute. And some of his other books, I'll just list a few, is Making Sense of Race, published 2020, The Silent Rape Epidemic, How the Finns Were Groomed to Love Their Abusers, 2019, How to Judge People What They Look Like, 2018, J. Philippe Rushton, A Life History Perspective, 2018, and The Genius Famine, Why We Need Geniuses, Why They're Dying Out why we must rescue them 2016 kind of ties in with this book again this title is at our wits end so professor edward dutton are you there hello thank you for having me back awesome well thanks for agreeing to the interview for people who may not have heard of our last show you have definitely kind of a uh, lot of books that you've written fairly recently can you talk kind of about your background and what led you to write at our wits end Oh, well, I started off originally, I did a theology degree, and um, from there I became very, very interested in, in fundamentalism and in the psychology of fundamentalism and why people are very, very religious. So that led to a PhD in religious studies, and then from there I became interested in Finland because I moved there, and nationalism and the psychology of nationalism and what makes some groups uh, different from other groups psychologically, and that, drove, that, wrote, that uh, took me into intelligence and personality. And things like that. And then from there, that took me into researching the, the evolutionary dynamics of intelligence and personality and how they change over time and how that changes the nature of societies. So that was really the, the journey that I, I went on from the age of 18 to the age of I suppose, my early 30s when I started researching intelligence. And so that led you kind of this is why you're becoming less intelligent. Your intro, you talk about two exemplars of human achievement recently, Concord, Man on the Moon. Can you explain why those are important and kind of high watermarks uh, for our well, recent history? Well, uh, if we start with the, well, it's interesting that they both occurred in the same year, 1969. So uh, what intelligence predicts is that you are able to sort of put together the dots, if you like, and come up with a highly original and brilliant idea, a brilliant breakthrough. That's what geniuses do. And most people would accept that moon travel was, a, apart from conspiracy theorists that think it never happened, uh, that it was a, a brilliant breakthrough. It was an amazing thing. We planned to do it. We wanted to do it. People died trying to do it. And we managed to carry it out. It was an extraordinary feat of human achievement. And all of these things had to go right. All of these check, check, check. All of these things had to go right for it to be carried off. And if any one thing went wrong, if any little mistake was made anywhere down the chain of the thousands of people that were involved, then there would be disaster and there would be death. So that was a, a, an amazing achievement. And we went there and we kept on going there until 1972. And we haven't been back. And equally with Concord, it was we, we planned supersonic travel. It was an amazing breakthrough supersonic travel. Uh, and and it, it required everything to go right. Uh, everybody to make correct decisions and what ha um, and then it was fine until until the year uh, 2000 and um, the thing is that what happens when you have declining intelligence is that you end up with an over promoted society so the best engineers of 1969 are also um, are not the same quality as the best engineers of the year 2000 
the best engineers of the year 2000 are the second-rate minds of 1969, because there is this weak uh, but significant correlation between um, intelligence and and uh, not having children, basically. And so what happens over time is that the top-grade minds boil off, and you're left with the second-grade minds and the third-grade minds. And when that happens, then it's more likely that, you know, that everybody is over-promoted, and so somebody in the chain of command will make a stupid mistake. And that's what happened uh, in 1986 with Challenger. Uh, people made decisions, short-termist decisions. Uh, you know, uh, logic would have predicted that you abandon the launch because of the cold and the effect on the O-rings. Uh, short-term financial considerations predicted otherwise. And so we sort of lose faith in, space, in, in manned space travel. And similarly with Concorde, it was a stupid mistake. Somebody low down the chain of command who had a much lower IQ than the same person would have had in 1969 uh, puts a bit of the wrong bit of metal on the Airbus that goes ahead of Concorde, a bit of jagged metal. It falls off. It punctures Concorde's tyre. That, uh, that could have happened at any point between 1969 and the year 2000. But as intelligence goes down, it becomes more likely, more likely. And that's why if you look at somewhere like India, with a caste system, India has some brilliantly intelligent people, superbly brilliant people. But on a, na it's on a national level, it has a national IQ of 80. And what that means is that it can't accomplish great um, feats as a nation because lots of little things can go wrong. And that's what happens when intelligence declines. You get more and more things going wrong. And as these um, sort of build up, then they become greater than the sum of their parts, and you end up with sort of third world chaos, and and that in a in a small way is what we've moved from between sixty nine uh, and now, and so we just, we can't get we can't get Concord back in the air, and we cut the most parsimonious explanation: we can't get Concord back in the air, we can't go back to the moon. When not only have we lost the sense of eternity, the the religious sort of sort of religious values that say let's do great things. We all go on now about it. It's all about equality and all this, you know, um, as people were saying at the moon, at the moon, moon, you know, whitey on the moon, all this. Um, but also, we're just not clever enough to go back. Just, just to uh, start, you also, in your intro to the book, you define intelligence. And I think that's an important groundwork for your later kind of an, an analysis is what is intelligence? How is it quantified? How can you determine something? Because clearly things are changing. They're not stagnant. They're clearly in flux up and down. Can you talk about intelligence is the ability to solve cognitive problems and um, and how quickly you solve them. So a more intelligent person will need a person is the harder the problem will have to be before they're stumped. And the more intelligent the person is, the quicker they will solve the problem. Uh, intelligence, raw intelligence, so the ability to go up to solve these problems and solve them quickly, increases with age up till about middle age. So when we talk about IQ and we quantify intelligence, it's with reference to people of our own age. So obviously a, a, a three-year-old or four-year-old with an IQ of 120 will be less good at solving problems than the average 30-year-old. So, you, so it's intelligence quotient uh, with reference to your own age. Now, the, these, uh, if this is measured using the IQ test. The IQ test is, uh, measures three key kinds of intelligence, that, which are all intercorrelated. Linguistic intelligence, which means you're good at one, you're good at the others. Linguistic intelligence, spatial intelligence, and mathematical intelligence. Uh, these all intercorrelate. <clears throat> And um, people will say, oh, well, they're not measuring anything real life. They're only measuring the test. But that's not true because they correlate with things, first of all, which are valued in all cultures. Like they negatively correlate with criminality. They correlate with creativity. They correlate with 
socioeconomic status achieved, they correlate with socioeconomic status born into, uh, they correlate with wealth, they correlate with health, they correlate with all manner of important uh, outcomes. Um, and they correlate with other intuitive measures of intelligence as well. So if you were to say, well, what's, what's the mark of a good scales? What's the mark of a good scales, weighing scales? Well, it's that it correlates with other intuitive measures of differences in weight. So if you get a load of people and you get people to lift them up and estimate who's the heaviest, if it correlates with that, it's probably a good scale. Well, we know that intuitively people that are, are good in the education system or who are good at puzzles or whatever, we understand those people to be intelligent. We know what we mean by it, even if it's hard to put it into words. We know what we mean by something smart. And if you say, oh, I don't know what I mean. Oh, how do you define it? Oh, where do you draw the line between someone being smart and not being smart? All I can say to that is you'd be in a situation where you're in a plane and both the pilots are dead and you have to find somebody who's going to be able to successfully negotiate the, uh, that plane down to the ground uh, by being you know, told what to do through a speaker system. And you tell me then that you don't believe there's such a thing as intelligence. Of right. course you do in that situation. Of course you do. You're just being pretentious uh, and a poser to say you don't. Of course, you know there is such a thing as, of course, you bloody do uh, when push comes to shove. That's why Africans come into Europe for heart operations and not the other way around because the system works better because people are more uh, uh, average and more intelligent. So, so, so yeah, so, so, um, yeah, so that's IQ tests and that's, that's how you measure it. And then there are various accepted correlates of IQ tests that are strong, robustly correlated with it that are also measurable, such as reaction times. The shorter your reaction times are, the more intelligent you are or color discrimination, the more colors you can subtly discriminate between the cleverer you are because the more subtly you can discriminate information then the better you can solve a problem or um sort of autism to a certain degree the taking in of information so pupil size at rest correlates with intelligence because the bigger the interface the more information you can take in the better you can solve the problem uh, memory correlates with intelligence because the more the better you can remember things the better you can solve problems there's lots of other things that can be uh, quantified educational attainment the ability to write mathematical ability all this sort of stuff so they um there are all these other uh, right. and one of the one yeah. sorry to interrupt but one of the interesting things is that high level performance is correlated so if you can perform highly in one subject matter that goes across the line. I thought that was interesting too. That's right. That's known as Spearman's, uh, Charles Spearman's hypothesis. So what he showed was he invented the, the idea of the correlation matrix. So he showed that all of these different school subjects, no matter what it is, French, Latin, even music, even pitch discrimination, um, all intercorrelate. And that shows you that there's something that underpins them all. And that's what we call G, general intelligence. So you have these different, you can conceive of intelligence as a bit like a pyramid. And at the base of the pyramid is sort of abilities, specialized abilities that are weakly correlated with intelligence, like the, I don't know, the ability to drive a car or the ability to do your shoelaces up or something like that. And then as you move up the pyramid, you have the three basic forms of intelligence I mentioned earlier, and they all intercorrelate. And so you get something called G, um, which underpins uh, all of them. And different IQ tests can be more or less G-loaded, you know, better or worse measures of G. Um, and the heritability of, of IQ based on twin studies and twin adoption studies is very high. It is uh, in adulthood. It is overwhelmingly a product of genes. It's about 0.8 heritable. So it's uh, uh, overwhelmingly an issue of genetics. Gotcha. And so then you can go back through time and history and see some of these changes in, in cultures, fall of Rome. You talk about Middle East, China. You just talked about India, this huge underclass of 
80 IQs. Apparently, that's the same thing in South Africa. The average IQ in South Africa is 80. I think the average IQ in South Africa is probably a bit lower. It's uh, oh. probably 75. But um, the, the, the difference is, first of all, South Africa has a white minority of 10%. Secondly, South Africa has a colored minority. And thirdly, it doesn't have a caste system. Or well, there are some groups within it that have a caste system, but overall, I think that's well, that's why the Indian IQ is is misleading in a, in, a, in a way that other ones are, are not. But yeah, you can trace these things across time. So um, you know, the Dark Ages, you're going to have relatively low IQ, and we can understand why it's been selected for. Um, we we know it's been selected for across time, uh, and we can we can chart across time these various markers of increasing. Uh, intelligence. Uh, so even though standards of living did not uh, differ appreciably between uh, the medieval era and the Industrial Revolution, as I look at in the book, you can chart across time that literacy increases, which implies people are becoming more intelligent, numeracy increases, interest rates decrease. So one of the markers of intelligence is that you, um, you're future oriented. So the, the famous marshmallow test, you say to a child, you, you can have this marshmallow now or you can wait five minutes and have two marshmallows. And more intelligent children are always more future oriented. They always go for two marshmallows. Well, that is, fits in with interest rates. The, the, the stupider you are, the, the, more, the, the, the less of a, of a deficiency you require now to just give up on the future. And the cleverer you are, the, the, you, you'll, you'll, you'll take more of a hit now for the sake of the future. So interest rates get smaller across time. The size of the head gets larger across time. And there's a correlation of about 0.3 between the size of the head and um, uh, IQ because the, the, the brain is a muscle. And the brain, the bigger the muscle is, on average, the more intelligent a person is. Democracy goes up across time. Democracy is a function of intelligence because it's based around trust and cooperation. Political stability increases across time. Corruption decreases across time. Murder heavily decreases across time. I mean, the, the, the per capita level of murder in medieval England was on a par with sort of modern day Kenya. Um, and, uh, and then we have genetic changes. I mean, we literally have now from ancient genomes certain alleles that are associated with uh, indirectly associated with intelligence that are associated with very high educational attainment. Uh, and these have increased across time. And we know, uh, uh, so all of, every piece of evidence is indicating uh, intelligence was going up across time. And not only that, but we know that the one of the big uh, uh, correlates of intelligence is wealth. Uh, people that are intelligent are better able to accrue wealth and resources because, because you know, then if you if in uh, difficult conditions, the more wealth you have, the more you can look after your children and ensure they survive. And what was found based on samples of wills in, and other uh, uh, records in various countries in Europe is that the if you divide between the richer 50 percent and the poorer 50 percent, and let's say the 1600s or the 1700s, the richer 50 percent have as much as a 100 percent fertility advantage over the poorer 50 percent, and at the very least a 40 percent fertility advantage. It depends when and where you look. And so this would be consistent with the fact that every generation that you have a society, and we know this, a society of social descent, where every generation, those at the bottom are dying out and not passing on their genes. They, have, they, have, they either don't have children or all their children die as infants, 50% child mortality, remember, um, on average. Um, and those, the next rung up, uh, move down. And that's why if you ever trace your family tree, you, will, you may well find that your ancestors in the 19th century were shepherds or farmers or whatever. But if you go, if you go back for long enough, you will, so let's say the 1600s, you'll probably find they're quite wealthy farmers. And if you go back further, they're probably nobility. And then further still, I mean, every English person, every native English person is descended from Edward III. 
So that's how this process works. Um, and so, so yeah, so we were becoming more intelligent across time. And then this carries on until we're so intelligent that you have the breakthrough of the Industrial Revolution, which um, happens. Um, I mean, what is it that's selecting for intelligence? It's harsh Darwinian selection pressures. So it's a difficult ecology. Um, it's difficult to survive. You're competing against other people to survive. It selects for the cleverer people. So every generation, their genes are passed on. It is bootstrapping the population and they're becoming more and more intelligent. And this is seen across time, as I look at in the book, in per capita major innovations. And these um, increase across time from the Dark Ages, from medieval England up until about 1870. More and more major per capita innovations, as well as more and more literacy and everything else I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and then they reach this, this peak. You have the breakthrough of the Industrial Revolution. And also you've got group selection as well. So different groups are fighting each other, killing each other. And overall, the most group selected, the most intelligent group, the group with the optimum percentage of geniuses, which tend to be people with outlier high IQ combined with moderately antisocial traits, which means that they can conceive, they think outside the box, they're low in impulse control, and they don't care about offending people. So they'll present their new idea. They couldn't care less. Uh, and and whatever. Uh, plus, they have very high IQ, sort of basically high IQ criminals. That's what geniuses kind of are. And so then you get the breakthrough of the Industrial Revolution, and then this changes everything. It basically creates for us a much weaker environment, a much more easier environment from a Darwinian perspective. And so therefore, the selection pressure for intelligence decreases, and eventually, for various reasons we can look at, goes into reverse. Right. And I mean, you kind of see that process here, at least in the I mean, I see that similarity taking place here in the United States. It's become so easy to live. The pressures that were there at the end of the Dark Ages are not here in the United States. And uh, wow, I, I don't know if we're they're the same type of if you look, I mean, you could apply that to the foundation of the United States where we produce all these geniuses that put together the foundation of this government. Mm -hmm. That made it softer for all the people coming after them all up into today. So you can see that kind of same thing. And you also talk about how the cleverest had the least children. So there was a kind of. No, no, that's not, not in the past. Now. Oh, yeah, no, now. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, we can look at that. I mean, if you talk about the United States, I mean, I'm British and I'm a bit I'm a bit Anglo centric and I don't focus on America in the book. But uh, you can certainly. Yeah. I, who, what predicts migration? First of all, intelligence. So you would expect the people that, that emigrated to America, the early settlers in the 1600s, to be more intelligent than those they left behind. Secondly, religiousness, which is about 0.7 heritable. So you would expect the people that uh, they were, the people that settled America to be more religious than those that they left behind. Thirdly, the personality traits that are associated with religiousness. So you can see that as a selection event. In the same way that the Black Death was a selection event. That's why in the wake of the Black Death, I think you have the Renaissance, because the Black Death killed 40% of the European population. And it would have been the stupid 40%. That's who would have been disproportionately killed. We know that. The death rate overall in England was 40%. Among the lower classes, among the um, serfs and free labourers, it was 80% mortality. And people might say, oh, well, they were only there because they were, you know, downtrodden. That's not true. The heritability of socioeconomic status has been shown to be 0.7 across time between the medieval period and now. The heritability of socioeconomic status is 0.7 in Sweden, which is egalitarian. It's 0.7 in Britain which, or America, which is much less so. It's 0.7. So the, it, basically very clever people will always find a way to move up. 
and very stupid people will generally move down. And so, yeah, with America, you could see that as a selection event which took the most religious, the most group-oriented, the most intelligent people of England, thrust them into very harsh conditions, which meant even harsher group selection for intelligence, for religiousness, for these kinds of things which help you to survive. Native Americans killing you and, you know, you don't know what to eat and poisonous stuff and all this, right? Um, and, and, then, and then that would have been a massive selection pressure for intelligence. And so you, one shouldn't be surprised that the light of civilization moved from England, particularly when it was decimated by World War One, which disproportionately killed off the more intelligent. I mean, the death rate among the soldiers was eight percent; among the officers, it was sixteen percent, and they were much more intelligent. Uh, so the, one shouldn't be surprised that the light of civilization moved to Anglo-Saxon, to like England West, basically, which is right. what America kind of was. So yeah, I, I would, but yeah, if we look at why it's changed, so first of all, um, we know that uh, intelligence correlates genetically with bad health because over time things that are selected for become player typically related so if you're selecting for intelligence you're selecting for uh, pro-social personality uh, you're selecting for good genetic health you're selecting for genetic mental health genetic physical health okay good immune system all this so they become bundled together they become related to each other um, and so uh, this we know this now so people that have low IQ are higher in, in not just that they have poor health because they're stupid and they eat bad food and whatever. No, they are higher literally in gen the genetics of heart disease and strokes, the gen genetics of it. So when the selection pressure is reduced, uh, first of all, because we reach the more the minimum and then it starts to get warmer. So selection pressure is reduced for that reason, uh, about 1700. And secondly, because of the Industrial Revolution, what does that give you? It gives you cheaper food. It gives you better housing. It gives you inoculations. It gives you medicine. And it, it, the child mortality rate starts to fall from 50 percent to about 10 uh, percent by 1890 to about 1 percent today. And so all of these children, all these mutations that would have died off. Um, uh, are surviving, and those people will disproportionately be people of low IQ. So whereas once the, the lower classes would have just died off every generation, now they're not dying off, they're, they're building up. That's the first thing that's, that's, ha that's, that's happening. So this relationship that existed between IQ and fertility starts to go to nil, to note from being a positive relationship to uh, nil, uh, nothing. Um, secondly, then, uh, once once that happens, you start to get uh, changes in in how people think um, and uh, you start to get uh, the society becomes uh, less religious. Uh, mortality salience becomes lower and mortality salience has been shown to be correlated with wanting to have children. So if you're confronted with death, you want to have children. People are confronted with, with less death. Um, and so people start to sort of not particularly want to have children. They didn't, didn't have a great desire to have children. They have no pressing desire to have large families. They're confident that if they have a small number of kids, they'll survive. The religiousness starts to fall apart as well because mortality said it falls. Um, and so people, they, they have no great pressing urgency to have children. And so they reduce their fertility um, for this reason. And then you get the right, so basically the more middle, the middle class people just don't particularly want to have children. There's all kinds of complicated reasons for that, but 
intelligence is associated with environmental sensitivity. They're in an evolutionary mismatch. If you're more intelligent, you're more sensitive. So you become more dysphoric and you stop wanting children. There's all kinds of possibilities I look at in the book. But one key thing is contraception. So reliable contraception is innovative. It's taken up first by the upper classes. Um, and so and so the upper classes start reducing their fertility more quickly than the lower classes. And so eventually uh, ha having a large family becomes associated with being too stupid and impulsive to successfully use contraception. So that's right. the first. And you include women in the workforce too, right? Secondly, yeah. Then you have the, uh, as you always get in in the autumn of civilization, you have the questioning of the traditional way of life and you have feminism and immigration and whatever. And so feminism comes in and um, more intelligent people are more likely to adopt the dominant ideology and force themselves to believe it. And this becomes feminism. And so what you get, you get the more intelligent girl. She spends now all of her 20s and often the first half of her 30s on her career and whatever and her degree. And then she is becoming a mother by the time her uh, less intelligent contemporary is literally becoming a grandmother because the less intelligent contemporary drops out of school at 16 and has a variety of children by a variety of unsuitable men. So it's not just that people that have low IQ have uh, uh, more children, they have more generations. So this, of course, is pushing down uh, intelligence. The third thing, which is related to this, is, is then uh, that you have a very wealthy society and you have these individualizing values where everything becomes about harm avoidance and you have the rise of welfare. And it's been shown that this literally encourages people that have low IQ to have children. They're clever enough to game the system. Um, and, and obviously they're lazy and they think to themselves, well, if I can get myself pregnant, I'll get a house. Get myself pregnant again, I'll get, I'll get more more welfare, pregnant again, more well. So they have lots of children. And it's been shown in, in England that if you divide the society in four, between those where families where both parents are working, families where one parent's on welfare, families where both parents are on welfare, and families where both parents are on welfare and they're considered problem families that have to have police interventions and social worker interventions, it's only the latter group, i.e. the criminal underclass, that has above replacement fertility. So I'm just talking about white people here. So those people are the future. Um, and, and you're seeing that uh, uh, play out. So you have all of these factors, which means that you we have this negative correlation between intelligence and fertility now. And then we can look at uh, the abundant evidence of this. So reaction times have got um, longer between 1880 and 2000, consistent with an IQ drop of 15 points which is the difference between, let's say, a policeman and a, a school science teacher or between a school science teacher and a university science professor. So and, and think what that does to the percentage of the population that has very high IQ. Out, it halves it. it. 15 point, a change in standard deviation is going to halve the percentage of the population that has an IQ of above 130. Halve it. Um, and so this is obviously going to have a huge impact. Um, secondly, we know that we're getting worse at color discrimination. Uh, we're getting uh, there's all kinds of mark. We're getting worse at spatial perception. We're getting worse at backward digit span, which is the ability to, uh, you know, learn numbers and then, and then recite them backwards. Um, our vocabulary, vocabulary is a marker of intelligence. And often if you read, because uh, vocabulary, words are thinking tools. And so the more intelligent you are, then the more you need to have the right subtle words in order to correctly express your idea. Um, and um, 
our vocabulary, you, people read our Victorian novels or whatever, you'll see the vocabulary is much higher order. Firstly, because the reading public is smaller and more intelligent anyway, but secondly, because people are just more intelligent. Our, our the vocabulary has uh, retreated. It, it reached a peak in about uh, 1900, and it's now gone back to where it was in about 1700. I'm so not surprised. Some of the tests here in the United States in the 19th century for younger people were extremely advanced. And here today in college, they're teaching it kind of like a high school level almost. Yeah, I mean, you've got to remember universities. that there's, 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 a I mean, there's a difference, which is that you've had the expansion of education across that period as well. So there's other factors involved, which then dumb down education. But yeah, that's true. So then gene levels of genius across time, it, it works quite well. Charles Murray has looked into this, what, what is a genius and who has accepted it. There's lots of convergent bibliography on this. Everyone kind of agrees who they are. These reached a peak in about 1870 and then go backwards. Per capita major innovation similarly reaches a peak in 1870. And we've now gone back in terms of capital innovation, uh, major innovation to 1600, the level we were at in 1600. So probably our intelligence is about the same as it was in 1600, which would be consistent in some ways with our attitudes towards sex. I mean, remember Shakespeare plays and so on had to be vulgarized, had to be censored for the Victorian audience. People become more instinctive as their IQ goes down and they become more sort of sexual and, and things like this. Um, levels of creativity have gone down uh, and so on. Now, some people put uh, alternative model is, oh, it's to do with pollution and pollution's forcing down our intelligence. But that's not the case because we know it's happening at the genetic level. There's studies from Iceland which have shown that there are certain alleles which are associated with, out with very high IQ. And the prevalence of these alleles in the population has decreased over the last three generations. So this is strongly consistent with this having at least a partly genetic explanation. Uh, and there was also some modeling which showed that a genetic explanation um, explained more. So um, on on basically every level, we are becoming uh, less intelligent. And I would say, uh, and what will, what will eventually happen is, I mean, I look at this in my, my chapter of the book, this happens in all civilizations. You can see with Rome and Greece that you have a rise in um, per capita innovation, which happens in the wake of a very cold period. So you have a very cold period, which selects for intelligence. Then you have a rise in per capita innovation. Then it gets warm. Then people start to become stupid. Then it gets cold again. And then the population's too big. And then you have a collapse. Right. And, and this is what uh, is the process throughout history. It's, it's sort of how human populations regulate themselves which is that if we, if we all went on being more intelligent forever, then eventually, you, because very, very outlaw high intelligence correlates with like autism and autoimmune disorders because you take in so much information, you're so sensitive and whatever, it's, it'll kill you. It's, it's not good for you. You die out eventually. So one suggests that the reason why Fermi's paradox, the reason why well, we think there's aliens out there but we never discover them is because we never, ever get clever enough to engage in um, you know, inter-solar um, uh, system space travel or intergalactic space travel. It never happens. We can never get intelligent enough. There may be all kinds of civilizations out there, but they, they come along for a small period of time and they burn out and they come back again and they burn out. And it's always the motor of this is intelligence because intelligence is selected for. And once it's selected for up to a point, then it creates an evolutionary mismatch once it creates an evolutionary mismatch, the more sensitive people, either more intelligent people, stop having children. It's the intelligent people. I show in this book, national intelligence underpins every aspect of civilization you can think of. Um, and so then it's only the instinctive low IQ people that have kids. And then you get a collapse.
Right. And, 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 and this always happens, always throughout history. In, in Egypt, there was a, there's collapses even within the history of Egypt. Then you have the late Bronze Age collapse. Then you have the classical collapse. Uh, and now we are seeing our collapse. And I don't look at this that much in this book, but there's, I, I, I look at it more in the witches' book, actually. But there's every marker of this. Uh, always the, it's the same when, there, when there's the winter of civilization, feminism, uh, multiculturalism, uh, decadence. Right. Well, that's what's happening in the U.S. now. I never would have thought that since I was a kid. I'm 53, <laughs> and the changes have been incredible. And also, for the bringing in, they broke down the borders. These people are not uh, they're not the most intelligent. We used to have an immigration system that brought in educated doctors and things like that, but uh, bringing in a huge underclass is really going to be a terror. The consequences over time for the U.S. are just going to be devastating. No, I mean, I've got a successor to this book, a sequel to this book, which is coming out next year, in summer next year, called The Future is, um, it's, it's called the, the Past is a Future Country, The Coming Conservative Demographic Revolution. And and I look, like, having looked at the fact, I look at what the, what the uh, collapse will be like. Um, and you know, what we expect to happen, which will be the retreat of, of intelligence to a kind of Byzantium, which is what a neo-Byzantium, which is what happened last time. It's happening now within America. People are fleeing California to to less stupid places, and people are fleeing gradually, slowly. It's starting Western Europe for Eastern Europe, and uh, and this process is is occurring. It's I'm in California. Everybody's getting out of here. I'm in it's California. Well, what are you doing? Well, I was, I was raised here since I was very young, so I, my mom's here. But everybody's trying to get out. The um, interesting thing is, like, they're talking to some of these people here in the States like they're intelligent. There's people in our political system have the dumbest ideas on earth, like uh, Ilan Omar. They want to get rid of the sheriffs, the police forces. And well, yeah, people it's, are just, it's, just, it's just stupid stupidity, and stupidity will correlate with enviousness and not oh, understanding it's things. It's the dumbest I mean, thing. A good yeah. example of this recently was the collapse in uh, Miami. There was this building in Miami by the beachfront in Miami that, that collapsed. And there was an engineer called Frank Marabito. So he's an engineer. He's probably a structural engineer. He's probably got a high IQ, 130, okay? And he said there's a water-damaged problem. And if it is not correct, if it is not corrected, uh, I forget the exact word he used. If it's not corrected eventually, then it, the, the damage will continue exponentially. Now, what an intelligent person from, understand from that would be correct it soon or the building will collapse. But because he wasn't explicit enough, he didn't say, do it now or it will fall over. Uh, then the people who, who he was dealing with, they weren't as intelligent as the people that were running Miami 30 years ago when the building was built. And so they didn't think about the future and they left it and eventually it collapsed. And so that's the kind of thing that happens in a society of declining intelligence. Someone like Frank Morabito, he's too intelligent to realize how stupid the kind of people are that he's dealing with. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the really thing. I don't think Americans understand that. Some of these people on the left now are have primitive intelligence. They don't understand what's going on. Uh, Professor, do you mind taking a few questions? Heard about by all means. By, by all means. Uh, there's one here. I would be curious to what his thought on the Internet had on intelligence. What, do you have any impact, technological impact on intelligence? Any thoughts? Um, it's, it's a difficult question because on the one hand, um, the, the environmental component of intelligence, a big part of it is stimulation. So uh, there was a book by Jim Flynn called Why Your Family Makes You Smarter. And he showed that if you surround yourself with intelligent people, then you will push your, phenotype, your intelligence phenotypic maximum. 
And if you are surrounded by thickos, then then it won't be pushed to its fearsome maximum. This is uh, um, so. Uh, I, on the one hand, you could argue the internet will allow people that are reasonably intelligent to access more information and stimulate their minds, and so it will bring out even more their intelligence. It will push their intelligence to its fearsome maximum. And similarly, you could argue that less intelligent people will find more access and more ability to find their own little little uh, echo chambers of stupidity. And, and so it could reduce their intelligence because they, in, in the old days, when there was more of a united society, would be guided by more intelligent people to do things like, I don't know, go to church or uh, and thus hear re reading or whatever. And now the Internet has kind of broken us down into our little, it, it allows us to create to an even greater extent um, a subculture which is consistent with our own innate intelligence. So it's interesting that when we measure intelligence with um, heritability, we only do it using adult samples. Because if you do it using child samples, then the environment is reflecting the parents' intelligence. And the parents' intelligence might be 15 points higher or lower than that of the children. So we only understand the child's innate intelligence after the age of 18 when it starts creating an environment consistent with its own intelligence. So perhaps the internet allows us to, to a greater extent, to create an environment consistent with our own intelligence, innate intelligence, meaning some people become cleverer and some people become stupider, possibly. Right. That uh, makes sense. Might, might be the case. And you kind of talked about this earlier. Do you have a working title for your next uh, book? Or is it? Uh, I just said the, the sequel to this book right. will be, yeah, that's on my website. That, that will be published next year. It's called The Past is a Future Country. Passivel, you did mention that, sorry. Uh, uh, yes, what, I mean, I, this question right here is Does Ed think the world population will be on Western civil action? Do you think that the collapse will radically change the population of the world? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you well, if you talk about the nature of the, does it mean the, the amount of people or the nature of the population? So if you look at who's breeding, basically, there's two kinds of people that are breeding. It's stupid people and religious people. If you add, to, add also, to some extent, certain kinds of narcissists and uh, certain kinds of sort of agreeable people that like having kids. Basically, it's extreme case strategists that are good at nurturing and are nice people. And it's ghastly, intelligent, low intelligence uh, uh, people. That's who's two groups of people that are breeding. So um, what? And, and then if you control for intelligence, then what predicts breeding is religiousness. So what I would predict is the coming apart, whereby the sort of intelligent religious people will will flee and set up various refugia of civilization in rural parts of America or, or whatever. Um, and then they'll just be surrounded by by sort of third world type chaos risk, basically. Um, uh, as for the numbers, I, I think that what's going to happen is a huge, uh, basically, wokeness is the new crucible of evolution. It indoctrinates you if you're environmentally sensitive with a worldview that says life is pointless, it's bad to have children, don't have children, the, the world is the devil's province, signal your goodness by not having kids, put off having kids, whatever. And if you can resist that, then you have life. So the people that resist that are going to be those that are, are basically genetically high in a desire to have children. So eventually what will happen is that all of the people that don't have that inclination will be selected out, and then you're only going to have people that are genetically inclined to have children. That will result in a population spike. And, and that's when you'll have the collapse because the population will be far too high for the resources. And I would think that, that we're so sick genetically. I mean, that I, I'm thinking it could be a collapse. It will be, a, I mean, it was a, the great Justinian plague um, in the 500s, the, which was the collapse of classical civilization. That killed off about 60% of the population. I think it'll be 90%. I mean, if we were under Darwinian conditions now, 90% of us would not be here. So probably 90% collapse.
Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, just to think about that, it kind of ties in with kind of uh, end of the world prophecies and things like that. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap up, Professor Dunn? Oh, no, 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 no. Just uh, that there's the book. And if, if you're watching it in another color, I mean, if you're, it's been translated into Czech and Japanese and uh, there'll, there'll be a German version out soon if anyone wants to, if anyone's a, not an English native speaker. But otherwise, yes, that's that's the book. And uh, and I hope if people enjoy it. And uh, if you have any interest, then if you want subscribe to my channel, there's all kinds of videos and all of this kinds of stuff, which uh, you might find jolly interesting. Then the best place to reach out to you is your website, edwarddutton.com, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone has any questions, they're welcome. My email address is there and they're welcome to email me and I will uh, endeavor to answer their question. Excellent. And your book coming up, The Past is a Future Country, The Coming Conservative Demographic Revolution. Yes, and that'll be at the same publisher as Wits End and um, that'll be out summer next year. So that's the sequel to this. Looking forward to that. And again, this title of this book, At Our Wits End, Why We're Becoming Less Intelligent and What It Means for the Future by Professor Edward Dutton. Thank you so much, Professor. Pleasure. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. That was excellent. So that'll be 